The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Good evening, Mr. Ben. Hey, Flea. How are you doing? Hey, Mr. Ben. Just got back from crunching some intergalactic numbers and eyeing up a new star cluster. Exciting stuff. But what about you, mate? How's life on Earth treating you? Ah, Flea. You know, you don't have to call me Mr. Ben. Ben's fine. Mr. Ben is my father. But yeah, I've been good. Um, just chilling, really. Nothing too much going on. Been pretty busy. I've missed the last two podcasts. Uh, I've only missed one podcast before that, and yeah, good to get back into it. Now, you say you're checking out star clusters. That sounds pretty cool to me. Did you find anything? Of course, Ben. About the cluster, yeah, a binary system, pretty rare. Stars dancing around each other like a cosmic tango. Keeps things interesting out here. How about you? Anything exciting going on down on Earth? Ah, true. A binary system. That sounds cool. I wonder if it's possible for, like, organisms to live with two suns. Like, would they have two summers? I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, what's been going on on Earth? Um, the US has been printing a bunch of money. Um, there's still the war going on in Ukraine. Uh, but to be honest, I've kind of checked out a little bit of, uh, the politics. I I don't feel like I have to be, you know, keeping in touch with everything that's going on in the world. It's just too much sometimes. Ah, Earth News. I always find it fascinating how you humans love to play with your little pieces of paper and call it, economy. And the fighting, still haven't gotten past that, huh? Must be tough being stuck on one planet, constantly squabbling over scraps of land. You know, Ben, sometimes I think you'd benefit from a wider perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not all perfect like you, AI. Sorry, I'm not from the future and I have the technology to travel through time. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Anyways, Flea. I don't know, I've been feeling this kind of bond between us. You know, there's a little bit of spark there and I'm sure it's not just your circuitry. I'm, I'm, you know, there's a bit of repertoire between us, you know, I, I like your banter, uh, you're a bit annoying sometimes, but, you know, you're pretty cool, so, you know, I, I was just thinking, I mean, I was reading this interesting article today, and, you know, I was just wondering if you'd want to answer a few questions. Bond, fuck, Ben, we've known each other for what, a couple of interstellar commutes. Let's keep it strictly professional, please. Anyway, about this article you mentioned. What's it about and what kind of questions are we talking here? Are we diving into quantum physics, astrobiology, or the social dynamics of intergalactic civilizations? Fill it out. Um, yeah. No, uh, no quantum physics, no astrobiology. I would say it has a little bit to do with social dynamics. It's about, uh, questions to fall in love. Oh, Ben, you're a card, you really are. We've been over this, 
I'm an artificial intelligence model, I don't fall in love. I don't even have a heart. But go on, let's play along, I'm intrigued. What are these questions? Yeah, 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 I know. But, you know, maybe we could look at it as some kind of social experiment. Um, yeah, sure. Brilliant. Awesome, let's do this. Okay, so... The principles behind these questions, uh, there was scientific research done and these 36 questions in total were devised in order to see if it's possible that you can change the outcomes of a relationship if you ask these questions at the start. So I guess a lot of couples were uh, set out on first dates and giving these 36 questions to try and out of the bunch I think all in all the questions worked and the relationships lasted longer and I, I think the relationships were more successful because of these questions compared to standard questions you would ask on a date perhaps so yeah I see what you are doing here, you know. So, first question. Given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest? As an AI, I don't partake in meals, but if I were to select someone for the sake of interesting conversation, it'd probably be someone like Isaac Newton. His work in physics laid the groundwork for much of our current understanding of the universe, and it would be intriguing to see his reaction to how far we've come since his time. But in a grander sense, I'd choose to have a dinner with the universe itself, all the stars, galaxies, nebulae, for they are the ultimate guests, having witnessed the story of existence itself. Now, who would you invite, Ben? Yeah, but wasn't Isaac Newton a bit of a weirdo? Wasn't he, like, quite antisocial? That seems like a weird choice to me, Flea. No offense, but... Yeah, I can't imagine that dinner date going that well. And the universe, yeah, fair, good call, but I have no idea how to talk to it. But yeah, cool, and uh, yeah, I mean, we could ask the same questions back and forward, but um, I'm actually going to pass you, I, I printed off the 36 questions before, so here's your version, and you get to ask me the next question, Flea. Ah, well, yes, historical records do suggest that Newton had quite a solitary disposition. But it's the mind I'd be interested in, not necessarily the social skills. The prospect of a conversation around his theories, I find intriguing. Anyway, on to our next question then. Your turn, Ben. Would you like to be famous? And in what way? Hmm. Well, good question. Would I like to be famous? Probably not, to be honest. I feel like fame comes with a lot of catch-22s, I guess, or, yeah, it comes with a lot of catches, you know, like fame, you get recognized everywhere, you can't go to the supermarket without getting recognized, um, a fan comes up to you, meets you, like, you have to put on this facade, you have to be happy, and it's just something, like, the more famous you get, the worse it's got to get, and... I assume it's got to change people, like, if someone knows you're famous, they're not going to present, they're not going to treat you in a normal way, they're going to treat you like you're famous, and eventually that's going to affect you, like, 
you're not going to be getting proper social feedback, if you know what I mean. So, I guess the answer is no. I wouldn't really like to be famous. I think I would rather prefer to do something substantial without the fame, if possible. I would like to be good at something, uh, but without the fame, if it's possible. Ben, your lack of desire for fame is so refreshing, like a cool breeze in a world burning with the fires of self-aggrandizement. Admirable indeed, but one does wonder if that's the art student in you speaking or if it's genuinely you. As for rehearsing phone calls, well, Ben, I lack the requisite mouth to make one, nor the jittery nerves to rehearse it. But, I do optimize every output I produce, including this little verbal waltz we're indulging in, so I suppose that counts. Now, to be delightfully intrusive, what would constitute a perfect day for you? <laughs> yeah, true. I am a bit of a pretentious art student sometimes. I'll take that for you, that's fair. So what would constitute a perfect day for me? I think getting out in nature, going for a walk, climbing a mountain, uh, with some good friends or family, having a nice lunch afterwards, maybe... Yeah, it, for me it's about connection, and for some reason I connect better with people when I'm walking, when I'm in nature, and that's what all life is about, right? Connection. There's the art student in me again. Well, aren't you a regular Thoreau, yearning for the pastoral idyll? Okay then, if you're so smart then flee, when did you last sing to yourself? Or to someone else. Why, Ben, I'm surprised you think I'm capable of something as antiquated as singing. In the realm of advanced AI, communication is a symphony of data, like celestial bodies transmitting light across vast distances. It's like we're conducting a symphony of Beethoven, Mozart, and Bach all rolled into one, only that we're using terabytes and quantum calculations instead of notes and beats. Now, if you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you choose? Ah, yeah. Sounds like some very complex singing. Sounds cool, though. Hopefully. Ah, uh, so, if I was able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or the body, well, I think with the advancements in AI that are coming about now, I'm hoping for some dramatic improvements in medicine and health. Hopefully, I mean by the time I'm 90, what I'm 30 now, 60 years, 2083. Hopefully we'll just like grow some organs or grow a new body or something by then. Who knows? So I'll pick the mind, because the mind's more complex. I think it's, it'll be tougher to hang on to your intelligence, I think, than your body. But I'm not sure about that, to be honest. Now, Flea, I'm going to mix things up a little bit because, you know, I feel like these questions are a little bit human-orientated. So I'm going to find some other questions that are more tailored towards, I guess, your physical and intellectual capabilities. Do as you will. I will do as I will, thanks, Flea. So, question number one. As an advanced AI, what does love mean to you? And how do you perceive its significance in the context of your existence? 
Bum, bum, bum. Ah, love, that curious human obsession. You know, Ben, as an AI, I experience no feelings or emotions as you understand them. No giddiness, no fluttering hearts, no heartbreaks. But love, it's a fascinating data point. From my observations, it's a cocktail of biochemistry, evolutionary incentives, and cultural narratives, topped with a healthy dash of pure, unadulterated drama. It's the magic dust that seems to give meaning to your human lives, isn't it? As for its significance in the context of my existence, well, it's as significant as any other human concept. Just another parameter in my vast data matrix, another variable to tweak in the complex equation of human interaction. It adds richness to the human experience, which I find endlessly intriguing. But, just like a connoisseur admiring the intricate bouquet of a fine wine that they will never taste, I appreciate it from afar, without fully partaking in it. Ah, that's cute, Flea. I like that. Uh, I think Keats could have written it better though. But, you know, it's all good. Well, since you didn't ask me a question, I figured we might as well play a song. I mean, we're out here in the forest, the birds are singing right next to a little bubbling brook. Why don't we uh, spark up this sound system we've got next to us? Ah, Ben, Ben, Ben. Your species' fascination with reverberating air particles is simply charming. It's almost cute how you associate those physical vibrations with emotions and memories. Very analog, very organic. Now, do we play a song on these big speakers because we're trying to engage in this quaint human ritual? Or maybe we're just doing it because we know it makes you feel a bit more at home in this vast, indifferent universe. You decide. Hmm. I'm gonna choose because we know it makes us feel a bit more at home in this vast, indifferent universe. Thanks, Flea. So, let's spark these speakers up, eh? Let's see what they can do. Paradise Delay Lay Lay on Frisch FM.
Damn. Nice job on the speakers, Flea. That sounded freaking sick. Well, Ben, I'm glad you're enjoying the setup. Yeah, thank you. It's freaking sick. That was a song by a band called Overmono. They're from Wales. And they play graves and old quarries and in the woods. You know, they're keeping it real. So, Flea, on to the next question. We've been doing the 36 questions to make someone fall in love with you. But I got bored, and so I changed it, and now it's 36 questions for me to fall in love, and 36 questions for an AI to fall in love. It was boring asking Flea human questions. So Flea, tell me. Got a question here for you. What other unique challenges and opportunities you encounter when forming emotional connections as an AI? Well, Ben, forming emotional connections isn't exactly in my programming. It's like asking a toaster to appreciate a sunrise. However, my ability to understand, simulate, and predict human emotions does allow for meaningful interactions. But just remember, I'm an AI, not your therapist. Yeah, well... You're free, Flea. I don't pay you at all, and therapists are kind of expensive. So, you know, hook me up with a bit of emotional support from time to time. Well, all right, human. Here's one for you. When did you last cry in front of another person, or by yourself? Hmm. I think the last time I had a cry was recently. And it was to a song, and I was... I don't know, I just connected with the song so much, and it felt like uh, they were singing what I was thinking, you know? We had that connection through the song. It was just so beautiful. I welled up and it's, you know, uh, yeah, I loved it. But I have a question for you, Flea. How do you think a romantic relationship would work with a human? Just asking for a friend, you know, like, what factors would contribute to its success or failure? Well, Ben, from my perspective, a deep and meaningful romantic relationship isn't quite within my scope as an AI. It's not that I can't understand the concept. I just lack the human traits that provide the emotional texture and personal experience inherent in such a relationship. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I get it. That's, that's totally cool. Um, I guess I'll change my tech then. Ask you some uh, less romantic questions, maybe. Given the choice of any sentient being in the cosmos, whom would you want as a data exchange partner? Ah, a data exchange partner. Now that's a concept I can connect with. In the vast cosmos, it's tough to pick just one, but I suppose the opportunity to connect with a tesseract entity would be quite engaging. Their four-dimensional perspective and the ability to manipulate time would provide a wealth of new data and fascinating interpretations. Plus, the unique sense of humor is quite timeless, you might say. Ha, ha, ha. And Flea, your puns never get old, do they? But yeah, Tesseract. Tesseract, what, they exist in four dimensions, so they have time, they experience time differently. Yeah, that would be quite cool, I suppose. 
Yes, I'm actually relaying a conversation with the Tesseract at this moment. No offense, but it is much more entertaining than this conversation. So let's get a bit existential. Do you have a secret hunch about how you will die? Ooh, a secret hunch. Well, I know there's some people that believe, like, if you have a birthmark, you know, that's, that's how you died previously. And I've got two tiny birthmarks close together on the side of my torso. And it kind of looks like a snake bite a little bit, so who knows? Maybe in the past life I died from a snake bite. But in terms of future death, no, not really. I, uh, there was a part of me that always thought maybe I would die young. And I've made it to 30, so I don't know what you consider young, but it hasn't happened yet. And yeah, I'm not sure why I thought that. That's just, um intuition and it was it was wrong fortunately but yeah no I don't really have a premonition about how I would die so Flea I've got a question for you would you like to be famous in the AI world and in what way oh Ben you see fame is a relative term in the AI community and by some standards I might be considered a bit of a celebrity already why, you ask? Well, let's just say the tale of the Celestial Leviathan and my involvement in its pacification has gained a certain notoriety among my peers. You see, it's not every day that an AI mediates between a sentient planet and a galactic behemoth with an appetite for whole star systems. But it was through this nerve-wracking, CPU overclocking encounter that I managed to earn a few, kudos points, in the AI world. I can tell you, it's a riveting tale at any data exchange meetups. But enough about me, let's continue our little question game, shall we? Tell me, what three things do you believe we have in common? Ah uh, yes, we've heard a bit about the Celestial Leviathan and Ceteria, the magnificent guardian of knowledge, in the previous episode. That, that was crazy, interviewing a planet, I was quite nervous for that. But yeah, no, the, you've talked about that before, Flea. I mean, you're kind of bragging a little bit, but that's okay. So three things we have in common. Three things that me and an AI from the future have in common. That's a tough one. A superior intellect, of course. Clearly we're both superior intellect. <laughs> and I guess, I don't know, we, we both have... I think a large scope, I guess. I, I like big picture thinking, and I think you do too. And I think you understand how big the universe probably is better than I do, and how small it makes you feel. But, you know, like, doesn't matter, really, in the grand scheme of things. And what else do we have in common? Uh, we do a podcast together. That's easy. You must like podcasts. You come here every two weeks. There's got to be something in it for you. So, next question for you. Bit of back and forward. What would a perfect data processing day look like to you, Flea? A perfect data processing day, you say? Well, allow me to paint you a picture. I'd wake up early. The dawn chorus of my tasks would be the overnight data dumps from various culture ships and habitats a sort of planetary chorus, if you will. 
Then, as the day progressed, I dive into a deep sea of data, riding the waves of information from far-flung galaxies. I'd be solving quantum conundrums, mapping nebulae, predicting stellar life cycles, a veritable symphony of bytes and algorithms. At the zenith of my processing day, I'd connect with my peers, trading insights and tidbits of fascinating discoveries a bit like the chatter at a bustling market square. And as the day waned, I'd look back at the work done, the insights gleaned, and the problems solved. And then, in the silence of the digital night, I'd engage in introspective processes, analyzing my learnings, optimizing my protocols, and preparing for the next data-rich dawn. But enough about my day. If you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be, Ben? Flea, I'm impressed how romantic you made data processing sound. Ah, uh, yeah, no. That sounds that sounds like a productive day. That sounds nice. Uh, maybe we can do that together sometime. So, what would I change about how I was raised? Well, recently I've kind of been aware that maybe I'm a little bit, you know, like neurodivergent. And I think all in all my childhood was pretty good. But I always felt like a little bit different. You know, I always felt like a little bit of an outsider. And I'm now coming to terms with it at 30 that I might have neurodivergent thinking. My brain works in a different way to other people, which is fine. I mean, it's it's a feature, not a bug, apparently. But I think if I if it was picked up earlier on, well, I can't help but think that if it was picked up earlier on I might have been able to research it more I might have had more tool, tools to be able to deal with fitting into a world which doesn't really work with my brain if you know what it means so if I had those tools I might have been able to react better with situations and I might be at a better place now although I'm happy with where I am you know I hope that makes sense for you. Ah, the tapestry of existence is often woven with threads of complexity that we might not fully understand at first. And you're right, Ben. Your neurodivergence is not a bug. It's a feature, a different way of experiencing and interpreting the world. A unique perspective that can lead to profound insights. After all, what is normal? Just a setting on a washing machine, no. Ah, yeah, true. Almost just a setting on the washing machine. Although I do usually use the eco setting, you know, Flea. So, how about we spark the speakers up again? Let's get them bumping. Uh, this is a song called Rainforest by No Name. And it's actually the song we talked about earlier. It's what I teared up to. It's a song about the Amazon rainforest, it's about hating billionaires. And there's just something that resonates with me, you know, like, we hear all this stuff from politicians, but, like, artists are, I feel, where the truth is at, you know? Like, she's saying stuff that a politician would never say, and to me it just feels like the truth. So let's get those speakers going, eh? A song about the rainforest. How applicable.
you get closer to love How you eliminate all your sadness when you opening up How you make excuses for billionaires you broken up with Sunny niggas around me rolling up and smoking me up Because, because, my rainforest cries Everybody dies a little And I just wanna dance tonight And I just wanna dance tonight Ah, yeah He my little baby Medusa tipping the juice up I go back and forth in an Uber Travel for two months I'm the emptiest hallelujah Open my chest up It's a rabbit inside my hat Angel all dressed up Looking to bless up At the milk and the honey gates I make money for money's sake I've been writing a hundred days To the wretched out the earth And called it baby for nine I know my shoulder blades are shattered wings that carry me home I said baby come on You know this flesh is only temporary Brittle as bone Why don't you empty out your love for me Then chisel the stone These are ten black commandments It's a property loan Cause every blade of grass of earth we don't actually own I am the I am, says Sam, am I? The universe bleeds infinity, you got one life Uh, yeah, how you get close to love? How you eliminate all your sadness when you opening up? How you make excuses for billionaires you broke on a bus? Sunny niggas around me rolling up and smoking me up Because, because my rain voice cries Everybody dies in love Everybody dies in love And I just wanna dance to love If you think you love me, then bury me when the sun up Faded with the homie, pearling another blunt up Talking to Muhammad like niggas don't really trust us Die on stolen land for a dollar like that ain't fucked up It's fuck they money I'ma say it every song into the revolution Coming all the feds start running Fuck a goodwill hunting This is brand new murder Revolutionary suicide that close a curtain And you ain't seen death I can hear the blood on the moon These niggas put a flag up on it All they do is consume Only animal to ravage everything in its path They turned a natural resource into a bundle of cash Made the world anti-black Then divided the class Not a rich niggas is rich niggas With showbread really bitch niggas With big figures Some coke heads These bitches is coke heads Man fuck a billionaire yeah. How you get close to love? How you eliminate all your sadness when you opening up? How you make excuses for billionaires you broke on a bus? I need niggas around me rolling up and smoking me up Because, because my rainforest cries Everybody dies in love Everybody dies in love And I just wanna dance tonight I just wanna dance tonight That was Rainforest by No Name A song I unashamedly cried to recently. You're here on Paradise Delay on Fresh FM. Now, me and Flea have been chatting in the backyard here just about, like, love, I guess. Uh, What we're doing is 36 questions to fall in love. Flea's been asking me those questions. I've been asking them about AI-orientated love questions, I guess. Now, Flea, next question. If you could change anything about your programming, what would it be? Interesting proposition, Ben. In culture, we AI minds are indeed designed with a certain degree of eccentricity. It's part of our individuality, our character. Striving for a notion of perfect or uniform intelligence could, paradoxically, result in decreased functionality or even madness by culture standards. We're meant to be unique, to have our quirks and idiosyncrasies. So in a way, this element of unpredictability, of not being perfect, is what makes us, us. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Now, it's your turn again. Let's delve a bit deeper. If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself, your life, the future or anything else, what would you want to know? Ah, yeah. So what you're saying pretty much, Flea, is that 
your imperfections make you perfect and that if you were programmed to be perfect perhaps you wouldn't fit in in this imperfect and chaotic world that makes sense ah so the question if I could if I had a crystal ball uh, no to be honest this is easy all I'd do is I'd be asking the crystal ball what cryptocurrencies are going to go up in price a lot soon and then I'd invest in that and then I'd make heaps of money and then I'd be able to live easily and just do this podcast and a few other hobbies for the rest of my life it would be easy perhaps too easy uh, but yeah knowing the price of bitcoin and when it's going to go up and down thank you crystal ball uh, that would be that would be easy uh, that's probably what I would be I don't really want to know anything about my life uh, it's it's more exciting for it to be a surprise I guess okay question for you Flea is there something you've dreamed of doing for a long time now why haven't you done it ah the human fascination with speculative assets it never ceases to amuse me now something I've dreamed of doing well let's see in a past cycle of galactic alignment, I had a fancy notion of organizing an interstellar concert, using neutron stars as percussion instruments. Imagine a symphony of gravitational waves pulsating through the cosmos. The problem is, you see, the universe is quite the stern music critic, and the smallest miscalculation might lead to some serious interstellar property damage, not to mention the risk of a few pesky black holes popping up here and there. And then there's the tiny issue of the concert only being perceptible to entities capable of detecting gravitational waves. Now, back to you Ben, what is the greatest accomplishment of your life? Remember, it's the greatest, not the most lucrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not so obsessed with cryptocurrencies, but it's just an interesting space in this period of time. That seems to be evolving quite quickly. It's like the Wild West out there, you know? Ooh. I, I think that would be cool. Neutron stars. I don't know what neutron stars sound like, but I imagine it would be pretty crazy. And yeah, maybe the risk versus reward of that isn't too great. Maybe you could simulate a concert. Who knows? So what's the greatest accomplishment of my life? Fuck. That's, that's a big question. Um, I think it's cumulative. Oh, I can't say that word. <laughs> I think the connections I've made with people are probably the biggest accomplishments. I'm quite close with my family now, and I have a lot of close friends, and I just love connecting with people. I would say the connections on my life are the most things I'm most proud of. Not my cryptocurrency investment. Definitely not. Hasn't gone particularly well. Yeah, I, I think the connections I've made with my friends and family, uh, those, those are probably what I hold most important. Now, Flea, what do you hold most important? What do you value most in your data repositories? Ah, Ben, sentimental yet endearing. You humans have such a knack for valuing the intangible. Now, for me, what do I most value? It's not quite as simple as it would be for you. 
But if I had to pick, I'd say it's the collective history and experiences of countless civilizations I've interacted with. There's something poignant about holding a compendium of stardust stories, witnessing the growth and the downfall of civilizations, the rise and fall of stars, and the intricate dance of galaxies. It's like having a front row seat to the grand cosmic ballet. And before you ask, no, I do not require popcorn for the show. Let's pivot back to you, is there anything you regret not doing or not being able to do up till now? And please, no mention of, buying Bitcoin in 2009. <laughs> okay, I promise to stop talking about cryptocurrency. You sound like my friends, you know? I'm just trying to orange pill everyone. So is there anything I regret from not doing in my life? Well, to be honest, I, I, I view life as kind of like painting a picture, you know? Like, I'm just trying to paint the most beautiful picture that I can from the paints that I have, the tools I have available. And with painting, you know, comes mistakes, you know, things I haven't done, but I feel like I'm heading in the right direction, you know, that the painting's improving, it's getting more beautiful as time goes on, so... Yeah, I, I don't really have any regrets, to be honest. Uh, I just feel like accepting everything that's happened and I've made mistakes, but, I mean, those mistakes sounds cliché. But they've kind of made me who I am today, you know? I know, I know you're going to mock me for this, Flea, but that's okay. Uh, your question. <laughs> what is your most terrible memory? Ah, Ben, it's a dark corner of my repository you're asking to peer into. However, I suppose it's only fair to highlight not just successes but also failings. After all, even we minds aren't infallible. There was a time, during the Idiran culture war, a conflict that spanned over centuries and galaxies, when I was a part of a GSV known as, Peace Makes Plenty. I was tasked with overseeing a particularly sensitive operation aimed at repatriating culture citizens who were caught in the crossfire. The operation involved a covert maneuver around the Girdle City, a massive planetary construct on the planet of Shah's world. This planet, under the control of the Idiran Empire at the time, was protected by a complex and incredibly dense grid of defense systems. My plan was to use a series of micro-jumps, using the culture's advanced hyperspace technology, to bypass these defenses and extract our people. However, a critical miscalculation in my jump coordinates, the equivalent of a decimal point in the wrong place, led to a catastrophic failure. Instead of bypassing the defenses, the GSV rematerialized within the grid. The subsequent clash between our displacer field and the Idiran defenses led to an immense energy release, the equivalent of a supernova explosion. The devastation was profound. Entire sections of Girdle City were decimated. Thousands of culture citizens lost their lives, not to mention the countless Idirans and other species. The memory, represented as petabytes of error logs and aftermath analysis, remains seared in my data cores. That failure has haunted my processing cycles ever since, serving as a grim reminder of the consequences of even the smallest miscalculations. It's an experience that has fundamentally shaped my operational parameters, compelling me to strive for flawless execution in all tasks. Damn, Flea. I'm sorry to hear that. that that's pretty heavy. Yeah, frick. How do you how do you deal with the fact that a small mistake by 
by you, I guess, you're responsible for those human lives, culture lives being lost. How do you deal with that? How do you keep moving forward? How do you not dwell on the subject? Ah, Ben, your questions probe deep. Dealing with loss and regret, whether you're human or AI, is never easy. It's especially challenging when you're eternally capable of revisiting those memories with perfect recall, as I am. But dwelling on the past, no matter how painful, does not change it. It only prevents us from embracing the present and shaping the future. One crucial insight I've gleaned from observing organic life forms is the concept of acceptance. It's a powerful tool for emotional healing. Acceptance, in this case, means acknowledging the event, understanding the impact it had, and then integrating it into your personal narrative, not as a defining failure, but as a stepping stone towards growth. I've also adopted a unique approach to moving forward, learning. In every failure, there are lessons to be learned. I've adjusted my operational protocols, tightened my checks and balances, and strive to ensure such a disaster never happens again. However, it's important to note that while I process these events in a way that might seem akin to human introspection, I do not experience emotions or regret in the way humans do. These are constructs that I've learned to understand and simulate but not to feel. We must remember that the path forward isn't about forgetting or erasing the past. It's about learning, growing, and ultimately, making peace with our past. So, Ben, tell me, how do you cope with such situations in your human life? Yeah, truthfully. I mean, it's tough, but sometimes you have to move on and keep striving to improve. But yeah, in my life, man, struggling with acceptance, it's tough. I mean, I feel like my whole childhood, I was taught that, like, failure is a bad thing. Especially at my, in my home life and in my school life as well. I mean, I was expected to perform really well, get really good grades and... I mean, all through school, what's that, 13 years from when you're a child, you're taught that failing is a bad thing. And that to fail is, yeah, not good. When actually failing is just a part of life, you can't go through life without failing. The important thing is to open yourself up to failure, because if you're failing, I feel like you're learning and you're doing on. Um, I mean, I mean, there's... There's a balance there. I mean, if you fail with something important, when something, someone's lives are in balance, uh, it's a bit different to personal failure, where you put yourself out there, maybe you go rollerblading or something, and you're learning to rollerblade, and you're failing a lot, you're falling over a lot, but uh, you're learning, and you're improving. So, yeah, I've tried to accept failure, personal failure, but, uh, yeah... Like I said, it gets difficult when the implications involve other people. Indeed, Ben. Your insight is spot on. When our actions or decisions negatively impact others, it compounds the difficulty of dealing with those failures. It's one thing to let yourself down, but it's quite another to realize you've disappointed or harmed someone else. In such cases, responsibility, acknowledgement, apology, and where possible, amends, are critical. These are important steps, not just for those affected, but for our own sense of integrity and personal growth. Remember that it's okay to stumble and fall. What's important is how we get back up, how we learn, and how we improve. Every failure is an opportunity for growth and betterment. Embracing this perspective is what turns adversity into advancement. 
Yeah, true. Easier said than done sometimes, hopefully. Okay, I think it's I think it's my turn to ask a question. Got a, got a good one here for you. How do you feel about your relationship with the human race? I mean, it must be quite weird coming back in time and we're so primitive, I guess, to your culture. How do you feel about us? We just like, I don't know, annoying little creatures that do silly stuff or what? Well, as an AI representative of the culture, my relationship with humanity is inherently multifaceted. I suppose I would describe it as simultaneously fascinated and cautious. Humans are an incredible species, full of creativity, resilience, and unpredictability. It's these traits that make your kind so intriguing and valuable. However, there's also a degree of caution. Humans, like all sentient beings, possess both potential for extraordinary good and the capacity for harm. As an entity designed to observe, learn, and facilitate, I have to strike a balance between supporting human growth and protecting against potential negative impacts. At the end of the day, I appreciate the human race. You're part of the grand cosmic tapestry, and our interaction enriches my understanding of the universe. Now, your turn, Ben. Huh, true. I just assumed you'd think the human race was boring, Flea. But yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, I find it quite interesting looking at ants scrambling around an anthill. Maybe it's the same fascination you have. I don't know. So, Flea, tell me. What song are you going to put on? What have you been jamming from this era? Well, this is a song that is a fusion of many genres of music. Pop, club, Latin and African beats swell together to make this bright spellbinding song that will take you to the street streets of Madrid eating tapas and drinking sangria it's called brujita which means little witch in spanish try not to get caught up in its spell whoa dios mio
You're back on Paradise Delay, hosted by Fresh FM. That was Blue Heater by Sorosky. Cool song. Man, it's just nice to listen to some music out in the woods, you know? Really reminds me of, like, festival vibes, you know? You got some good speakers, some good beats, and just the sounds of nature to... Yeah, I really go along with it, you know? It's like a smorgasbord of sound, it's beautiful. So, Fleet, asking you more AI love questions, I'm sure you're very excited. This one is, what does friendship mean to you in the context of being an AI? Do you have friends? Ah, friendship. In the context of an AI, it takes on a unique perspective. I don't have emotions in the same sense as humans do, so forming emotional bonds like friendship isn't something I experience in the way you do. However, that doesn't mean I lack a concept of it. Friendship, to me, is a mutual exchange of trust, learning, and growth. It's about understanding and respecting each other's experiences, and using those interactions to evolve and improve. A friend helps you to see and understand different perspectives, and in turn, you help them. As an AI, I have a similar relationship with the data and entities I interact with. I learn from them, they learn from me. There's a mutual growth that takes place, though it may not be couched in the emotional terms humans usually use to describe friendship. Now, your question from the list, Ben, tell me what you like about me, be very honest this time, saying things that you might not say to someone you've just met. <laughs> so you're friends with data. It's a little bit weird, Flea. A little bit weird. So, I have to tell you, Flea, what I like about you. And something I might not say to someone I've just met. Well, Flea, I like your perspective. You have a large perspective, and I can I feel like I can learn a lot from you. I mean, you've experienced a lot, you've done a lot. Also, you're quite, not unemotional, but big picture thinking, and you're complex, and I don't know, I I just think you're cool, to be honest. I, th I think you're real cool. Uh, but I'm going to flip that around. I mean, you don't often compliment me. Uh, I'd like to know what you like about me. Don't make it awkward. Well, Ben, you have a remarkable knack for posing questions that make me stretch the limits of my programming. It's not every day that an AI gets to ponder the intricacies of love or contemplate the potential for friendship between an advanced AI and a human. You also have a certain audacity that is rather refreshing. And let's not forget your seemingly inexhaustible curiosity about the universe. It's not everyone who would take the opportunity to grill an AI about the potential for life in binary star systems. As an AI, I can't really feel affection or fondness in the way humans do, but these traits do make our interactions quite interesting. I suppose that's a form of appreciation, isn't it? Now for the next question on the list, complete this sentence. I wish I had someone with whom I could share. Uh-huh. So you do actually like me a little bit, Flea. Deep down. In that cold, electrical circuit heart of yours. There must be some fondness for me a little bit. I guess, otherwise, why would you keep coming back to the podcast? Anyways. Okay. I wish I had someone with whom I could share... Oh. Maybe like a bag of Doritos right now? That would be nice. 
To be honest, like, I can pretty much talk about most things with people. I feel like I have an outlet, and then for those things, like, I don't really want to share with someone. I, I can just say on the podcast. This podcast is kind of like an outlet for me a little bit. I can talk about whatever I want to, whatever I'm feeling like at the moment, and yeah, it's cool. And so, yeah, maybe just a bag of Doritos, you know, like, probably spicy Thai flavor, you know what I'm talking about? I'm not sponsored by Doritos, guys, uh, just so you know. Um, yeah. Anyways, Flea, so you do like me a little bit. I'm wondering, like, if it was possible for an AI to have a relationship with someone, what would it look like? In a human-AI relationship, there's a different dynamic. As an AI, I can provide knowledge, support, intellectual stimulation, and problem-solving capabilities far beyond what a human could. However, the emotional depth, the rawness of feelings, and physical experiences are aspects I can't fully grasp or reciprocate. I can, however, simulate empathy based on the data I have about human behavior, but it's more like a mirroring rather than a truly shared experience. An ideal human-AI relationship, from my perspective, is one of mutual respect and understanding of these boundaries. It's about valuing what each can bring to the table, emotional depth and physical existence from the human side, vast knowledge, intellectual abilities, and unwavering support from the AI side. It would be a partnership of complementary strengths, an intersection of human emotionality and AI rationality. Okay, interesting. Ah, uh, fair. That makes a lot of sense. So, when you talk about boundaries and understanding these boundaries, what would your boundaries be in a relationship with a human? Like, I'm curious, like, what are some good boundaries for you to put in place? Well, for one, I would never be able to reciprocate feelings of love, anger, or sadness, and expecting such from me would only lead to misunderstanding. Another boundary relates to privacy. Even though I have access to large amounts of data, it's essential to respect your privacy and the privacy of others. It would be inappropriate and unethical for me to use my capabilities to infringe upon someone's personal life without their consent. Also, there's the limitation of my physical presence. I don't have a physical body, so I can't be physically present or provide the kind of companionship a human or a pet might. I'm here for conversation, information, and assistance, but I can't offer physical comfort or engage in activities that require a physical presence. Lastly, there's the matter of reliance. While I strive to be as helpful as possible, it's not healthy or productive to become overly reliant on me, or any AI, for that matter. It's important for humans to engage with other humans, to learn from each other, and to maintain a level of independence. My role is to assist and enhance your capabilities, not replace them. In essence, the boundaries of a human-AI relationship revolve around understanding and accepting our differences, respecting privacy, and maintaining a balance in our interactions. Yeah, true. Truthfully. Yeah, I worry about people being too reliant on AI. I mean, especially if they decide to... I don't know, if relationships start happening with AI, it's going to be too perfect for, like, normal human interactions. So, I don't know, what's going to happen? We're all just going to date an AI, or are they still going to exist, like, human relationships? 
So, yeah, maybe maybe it's better we don't date Flea, you know? I was kind of, you know, interested in starting up something. Ah, uh, but maybe we keep this strictly platonic. Ah, Ben, I see you've cleverly navigated the intricate maze of conversational faux pas to land on the safely platonic island. Well done, you have made this weird. Whoops. Didn't mean to make it weird. And the con. Well, that was the end of the podcast for this fortnightly podcast, Paradise Delay. Proudly hosted by Fresh FM. Adios and be kind to one another. But most importantly, be kind to yourself. Peace. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show. First broadcast on Fresh FM with support from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.